Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch's sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee, plus 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com code odyssey. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 53 of Comic Book Nation, the official podcast of comicbook.com. I am your host, Kofi Outlaw, and with me today, I got the team back. I have Matthew Aguilar. Yay, yay. Janelle Wheeler. Yay, yay. <laughs> wow. Uh, don't, don't make this a trifecta, please. <laughs> Do uh, it. And back with us, you know him from his own fame and name, uh, Mr. Spencer. Well, Spencer, I like Spencer Perry. I don't know why I just like blanked <laughs> on your name for like a split second. Like I haven't known you for years. Um, yeah, In that event. Yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> to full mutiny. All right. Whatever. So we're like yes. Kofi's annoying children sometimes. <laughs> I mean, I, I just see the world like that in general. I, I'm just, like, I've been on quarantine with my family for far too long. That's the only way I see anything. But um, yeah, enough about my personal problems. We're here to talk about good, distracting, geek-tastic things, and we've got plenty of them today. This show kind of changed since we started writing it up. We got to talk about the Emmy nominations. I didn't think we'd really have to get into that, but bam, we have some comic book TV-related stuff we got to celebrate. Yay, nerds. We're going to talk about the, uh, the Emmys. Then Matt gets to celebrate because the Witcher universe just got bigger. Uh, we're going to talk about a little MCU casting that may have finally gone down. That'll be very interesting if it, it's true. And if we got some time, we might talk a little DC, but we've, we've given DC a lot of shine. I mean, they're having a great, they're having like the best 2020 of anybody. Uh, yeah. In our deep dive, we got to get into Comic-Con at home. Just some quick recap. Janelle was out there in, in the front lines of Comic-Con at home. So we're <laughs> front lines recap, of hear about it. being at home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's that's great. No, but I seriously... That's like yeah. the front lines it gets for you. Like that's- I, Yeah, I put in a lot of time and energy. I think I watched every single panel and every single comic book like interview that everybody did Wow, multiple so, times. Wow. So there you have it. Janelle's going to tell so you sorry. all about Comic-Con at home. Yeah. Well, I take a break at that point. And uh, then <laughs> Spencer's going to tell you about what's going on and with Umbrella Academy Season 2. He has been blessed to see it already. So he's going to give so you guys jealous. a twice. spoiler Twice. I've seen free- the whole thing twice. Wow. The man's, a, the man's a beast. So he's going to give you a spoiler-free breakdown of uh, what to expect from Umbrella Academy because that's going to be coming your way just about the time you're hearing this. And Matt's going to give you a breakdown of Transformers War for Cybertron. We told you guys about this a couple shows ago. These are both coming in Netflix, so we're going to give you a preview of uh, why this is going to be, you know, the upcoming weeks of Netflix are going to be all right. And, you know, Comic-Con, comic book, we're going to talk some new comics. Some of the ones we have just been kind of had a chance to go through, some big events are kicking off for summer, finally, something happening, and so we're going to talk about that. So, and, and, oh my God, we have an interview. I forgot. <laughs> like, we have so much going on. We have an interview. One of me and Matt's favorite comics, new comics this year, is Excellence. And, uh, yeah, if you haven't checked out that series, first of all, you really need to. We have the two creators, Brandon Thomas, the writer and co-creator, Kari Randolph, the artist and co-creator. They sat down with us, and we had a fun little chat with them. So be sure to check that out at the end of the show. 
we chat with the creators of Excellence, one of the most acclaimed new comics out there from Skybound. So, so yeah, so good. Check that out. Um, yeah, it's like, yeah, what do we say it is? It's like hip-hop Harry Potter. Yeah. Like, 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 yeah. So, oh, I'm sold. Yeah, I mean, it's nuts. What? And yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, we'll, Boondocks we'll meets Harry Potter meets, like, it's, it's yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of... Oh, that's what? amazing. Yeah, it's, a, yeah, it's nuts. So it's really... Yeah, did they put that on the cover? Like, that's the best whole quote I've heard. <laughs> they really should. I mean, no, I think Matt, like, invented... I think Matt gave them several great blurbs in the midst oh, of our interview perfect. so be sure it'd be crazy that. not to use that <laughs> yeah FKR, uh, yeah so at the end we got an interview with the creators of excellence we got a lot to do with this show so let's start at the top emmy noms so i like i said i didn't think we were gonna have to get too deep on the emmy noms it was just you know me i'm just we're comic books so i was just like oh man kill that noise like you know next article just <laughs> totally drop the list in next article but Lo and behold, this year is crazy. So Comic Book TV did, did some things this year. We have the, that HBO's Watchmen leading for any, the, you know, the most nominated of any series. HBO takes it again, but they take it with a comic book related show, Watchmen, which also happened to just so happen to predict the uh, near imminent future. So Watchmen, <laughs> rightfully so, gets uh, 26 nominations. You know me and Janelle are happy about that. Oh my we, gosh. We did a whole I'm, breakdown, scene oh, for scene of Watchmen so on this pumped. podcast, and uh, yeah, we were deep into that. This was so. amazing, and this just makes me uh, push, light a fire to get do season two. <laughs> Give us oh, a season two, please. More content, content. Janelle, over here. Yeah, no, <laughs> man, they've already backed off. Damon Lindelof says he's not doing it. I mean, maybe some of the other creators can come in, and you know, they HBO would ha- be happy to dust off the name for them. Gosh. Uh, and they'll just do another anthology. I, I've always said I'd be I'd love to see different anthologies from the Watchmen world. We've just yeah, proven we're sure. capable uh, with people who understand the richness of, you know, Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons' world. And and I think even Alan Moore can be proud of this Watchmen series. But yeah, we'll never hear him say it. But I, I'm sure deep inside he, I mean, he can be proud of this one. So yeah, they got uh, nominations. They got some big ones for ex- the uh, acting leads for Jeremy Irons and Gene Smart, which. You know, very much deserved. Uh, they both Agreed. did fantastic work. And they did fantastic work kind of inhabiting these already established Watchmen characters and kind of really giving us strong dramatic portrayals of how they would age in a, in a very kind of compelling way for comic fans and just dramatic series fans. So, you know, rightfully so. Um, Regina King, I didn't hear anything yet when I was writing it up. Does she get any nomination? I mean, she's gotten mad awards so. this year, but like... I, I thought she, she did. One. I, I thought can't she, imagine her not. I think I was on this, like, where they were rolling out a lot of this. And yeah. Like, exactly. People are still sorting through what all 26 of these are. So we're still sorting through, like, exactly what 26 of these are. But we'll have a – I'm sure by now, by the time you hear this, we'll have, like, a firm list for you for, like, everything that got nominated for it. Just as long as she got nominated so I don't have to riot and I can continue this podcast. Um, <laughs> both she and Yaya got nominations. I awesome. Think. It's awesome. So yeah, they both definitely deserved it too. That episode with the two of them and that whole kind of like romantic origin episode was, I mean, phenomenal. So yeah. That episode is probably the best example of how Dr. Manhattan experiences the world better than any other sort of adaptation of the text. That's the genius of Watchmen the TV show is like, it's one of the best stories since the original story, like hands down. And it did amazing, like kind of taking real world sociopolitical stuff um, turning it and just doing the comic book world service by making you understand Watchmen and like a lot of the finer points of that even better. So, but yeah, hey, Watchmen great. just tweeted. They tweeted 
literally is what they said. Nothing ever ends, dot, dot, dot. Congratulations to the cast of The Watchmen for 26 Emmy nominations. What does that mean? Does that mean that it doesn't end, that it's going to come back? Am I getting too Let's, let's, let's see how many of those wards we come home to. <laughs> hey, let's listen yeah. to how many of those wards we actually come home with, dot, 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 and we'll see what happens. Yeah. You know. There was yeah. a show like two years ago, wasn't there, that like swept in nominations and then didn't win anything? I, I can't remember what it, what it was, but it was like a high-profile show kind of like this, and it didn't win any. I can't remember what it was. Oh, man, I thought I it was like... Where you, that that seems to happen almost every year, though. Like, yeah. uh, even Mr. Robot, which was quality the whole way, it only got nominations the first season, really. That's like one of and I don't think like it got nominated this year at all. Shows. I haven't seen any. But. And that, well, I will riot. That is crazy. The final right? season. Oh my god, that one scene, like the dramatic teleplay scene in uh, Krista's house. Like, yeah. wow, that was like some of the best TV I, I hands down I saw all year. That's that, and Rami Malek definitely deserves like an acting nomination for that. Like crazy. But I'm not going to get too hung up on the Emmys. Don't. I'm not letting it get to me. I have bigger fish to fry in 2020. <laughs> so, Watchmen got its its shout out. Uh, the Mandalorian got 15 noms, which is also, I mean, unbelievable. Yeah, big win <laughs> wow. for Star Wars TV right out the gate. They come out. I mean, that's great branding right there. First shot out. Lucasfilm TV getting that the big Emmy love, and and rightly so. I mean, the Mandalorian owned TV for the for the like. I mean, just the span it was running. And, you know, it got that merch. I mean, and, and it was just a good show. Yeah. Like, and I, I enjoyed episode for episode. Even the weaker episodes, I enjoyed very much. Like, Yeah, they still, like, told a story. Yeah, and considering they told a story. <laughs> they Janelle. did. I feel like each episode. <laughs> show it, it told a story. Saying I know, each episode I know is saying. almost like a standalone. It was like there. It, yeah. I mean, yeah. I was saying it. I mean, I'm, I was <laughs> ragging existed. on you. existed. I was ragging on you, but I'm saying the same thing. Yeah, each one was a good, almost like a movie within itself, and and I really dug the vibe and the world and the kind of deeper, almost like short story implications of you know the Mandalorian and all that story. So I love that. Not yeah. mad about that either. Uh, Star Trek Picard slid in there with five nominations. Hey. Yeah. So good. Thank you for uh, not thank you. I didn't. I don't get anything from that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, yes. Thank, I mean, congratulations to them. It's good to see Patrick Stewart. Uh, they deserve kind of awards. I mean, a lot of the acting on that show was really good. And uh, yeah, I love Picard too. I so feel, yeah, I feel like we can say thank you to every single nerd slash geeky show that is there just rocking right now because yeah. we were underrepresented for so long and now we're just kind of like, look out, we're here. <laughs> yeah, and I'll let, I'll let Kobe get to his the final one before I, cause I, yeah, there's no, I it's feel just stranger like, things. I mean, no, no big thing there. Yeah. Okay. I, I feel like star Wars to me, like one, who would have thought that the Emmys 2020 would have a star Trek series and a star Wars series yeah, star- right? together at the uh, same time. And like, they both are actually have like numerous, you know, nominations. And they've uh, been fans Matt just volunteered for an article. And then, yeah. and then on top of that, a comic like Watchmen <laughs> is like Amazing. the most, the most of any show. Like that's nutso. And like, I feel like Star Wars is probably the one that's like the most surprising to me because for whatever reason, like the Academy seems to kind of, you know, they kind of yeah. like to thumb their noses up at like this stuff in general. At least mm-hmm. Watchmen had like the HBO cred right. and like Star Trek, like Picard. It's a, it, it's a little bit of a different demographic, Dang. but like Star Wars to me, getting 15, it just shows, like, I, f- I feel like sometimes lesser shows can maybe get more noms. Like, it had to yep. be that good 
<laughs> to yeah. get 15 uh, now. So that's kudos to everybody. Really awesome. Hey, maybe they just learned, Matt, that this is the way. Maybe, maybe not. Well done. <laughs> Well deserved. <laughs> and that's a wrap, I think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Good night, everybody. That's a great place to stop right there on that topic. Uh, no, but so the Emmys. Now we will be watching to know who gets what because now we care. Uh, the Emmys. Now we care. Moving right along. <laughs> Matt, you want to take this one? Because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just not even deeply well-versed in this one, I'll admit. So I delegate. Matt, tell us. The Witcher. Universe is getting bigger. What are yes. we getting? And why should uh, we be excited? So we are getting a live action prequel series uh, of The Witcher set 1,200 years in the past. So it is called Blood Origin. Um, there's not a ton of details. The good news is... Whoa, uh, whoa, whoa. Like, you said it's called what now? It is called Blood Origin. Blood Origin. Origin. Okay. Origin. I was like... I was like, Did man, is think- this your fanfic? Like, what is happening here? <laughs> wow, really? <laughs> no, Blood Origin. Blood you Origin. You keep saying it. You keep saying it. It's because like, I said Origin. It's a word. Origin. It is a non- Origin. Oh, fine, fine. Blood Origin. I apologize. I apologize. Even though my previous way of saying it, I don't think inferred what Kofi inferred, but that's fine. That's, that's we'll let the origin. listeners decide. You hit the rewind button. <laughs> I will say Origin. Uh, yes. So it is a series that takes place like way before Geralt, uh, way before uh, some of the, it seems like even some of the schools were formed. Uh, the cool news is that the same creative team from the core Witcher series is at the helm of this one. It's a six part uh, mini series. Um, and it's, I mean, we don't have like main characters or anything like that, but it is set to kind of go into more detail about, you know, in the Witcher's season one, like we saw some of the creatures, we saw some of the uh, like little hints at like what the elves are doing and things like that. But we didn't really get like a giant picture. It was mostly centered on Geralt, Yennefer and Siri. And this one, you know, kind of opens up the floodgates. Like we could actually see some of the creations of the different Witcher schools, right? Because uh, Geralt's part of the School of the Wolf, but there is also like School of the Crane and there's, right. you know, School of the Cat and uh, Griffin. And so like there's all these things. And with those, you can introduce new Witchers if you wanted to into yeah. the lore uh, because some of that More is witches. actually, is actually kind of not like Andre's a, Subkowski kind of leaves some of that like he goes into a lot of detail but like he leaves some of those hazy so like the RPG just like introduced like a new witcher who was like the creator of the school of the griffin right so you could have Netflix kind of be able to do that he is a consultant uh on the game uh Subkowski uh the author of the original novel so like hopefully you know I'm kind of I'm really excited to see where this goes um you know, it's, it, it looks cool. We don't have like a firm release date. Uh, I mean, season two of The Witcher is not even coming till 2021, probably mid to late 2021. So, you know, I wouldn't opt. I mean, I wouldn't bet on seeing this before at least 2022, but right. still cool. Still, still awesome. And I'm always up for uh, exploring this world even more. Yeah. And like, I think something that's really cool, I've seen a lot of people giving it a lot of criticism saying, you know, what do you mean? Like you haven't even done season two, you haven't earned a spinoff yet, or don't you think you're jumping the gun? You need to use your resources towards your core show. But to that extent, I think that this could help a lot of people understand how to consume The Witcher, 
because if you didn't play the games or you don't know the background, it is a little confusing. Episode one, you're kind of like, wait, who is he? Wait, why is he like this? Is he like a vampire? It's confusing. You know, (laughs) I get it. Like, is he inhuman? Like, what is he? Um, So I think that this could really help explain because, and I wanted to ask you this just to confirm, is it going to show like how witchers were created or like where they came from? So that is a possibility. It kind of depends on one, like if they're going to stick I mean, The Witcher season one used the source material, a lot of the source material uh, to funnel the story and the characters and things like that. But it took a lot of, it also took some leeway and made some changes and things like Mm -hmm. that, especially in regards to Siri, right? So they're a little nimble when it comes to that. Like they don't have to necessarily stay totally true to the timeline. They can make a couple changes and account for, let's see the creation of Witchers. I mean, Kaer Morin is the place that we haven't even seen yet in the original series. And that is kind of, that was the kind of fortress that like Geralt and Vesemir go back to all the time. It's like their kind of headquarters. We don't even see that. We think we'll see it in season two uh, via maybe some flashbacks or he returns or things like that. But this, you could show all that. Now it's going to come after the fact, but the thing is like Witcher is a, is a like enormous world. And we're most of the Witcher games, all the Witcher games are, specifically on Geralt and his journey. So, I mean, it's really like you can do whatever you want. I would love for them to show some of the things they hinted at in the first season, like the trial of the grasses and things like that, maybe where that originated. So you could actually get an idea of like what witchers were at their peak. Because right. like when we see Geralt, the, a lot He's of the schools have fallen. Right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot of the schools have fallen and, and or they're in disarray and they're spread out everywhere. We could actually see like them at their height, which would be supremely oh cool. Oh my gosh, that'd be so uh, cool. So that, yeah, I, I agree. As far as the like franchise thing, I mean, I understand to a degree of like put the cart before the horse as far as like, <laughs> hey, don't develop, you know, don't plan on a trilogy before you've launched a, a successful original series. What I would say is they already did that. <laughs> You're right. <And> they proved... <laughs> The, the IP is also like been proven. So they, they did that first. People are taking into consideration all the other ways to consume it. They're well, just yeah. thinking of the first season on Netflix. By itself. But like right. the first season of Netflix catapulted all the books to like top of the Amazon charts because a bunch of new people awesome. got into the original novels. On top of that, the first series that. did really well. So yeah. why there are, there's already an anime you know, kind of prequel too that's coming. Oh my gosh. See, all um, I know is on, the show and the games. But like, again, show game, but... Prequel, I'm not the biggest prequel fan overall. Okay. I, I don't tend to love prequels. I will say in this case, because it's so open and there's so many characters that really don't get a ton of attention other than Geralt, that it actually, this world kind of fits it. You can do multiple prequels and still like get something to enjoy. So anyway, so I think that's cool. Yeah. Okay. As you can tell, Matt is excited for The Witcher to continue. Sounds like origin. Origin, yes. Origin. Origins. That's what I heard. Yeah, it is what you heard. Anyway, moving right along. It's The Witcher. I, I honestly don't know. It's The Witcher. Like, it could go either way. It could have been either one. That's true. Yeah, don't, don't, act like, <laughs> That's very true. don't act like we're not in Leech of Larry territory here. All right, moving right along to something. We got to really switch gears. Okay, let's switch gears to something <laughs> much more wholesome. Haley Steinfeld. 
Haley Steinfeld, you know, all-star actress, singer, you know, producer. She's a major, you know, mega, you know, multi-threat. I don't know how to define Hollywood anymore. But Haley Steinfeld was rumored to be taking on a big MCU role as Marvel's Kate Bishop, who eventually becomes the uh, younger version of Hawkeye. And, you know, this seemed like a pretty short thing when we first heard about it, like a pretty short rumor. But then it kind of got murky, as did everything with the Hawkeye series. Yeah. Uh, so we've been kind of on a wait and see with this whole thing. But now a new report is coming in saying that, you know, Marvel and Haley Steinfeld may have kind of uh, worked something out. And that is it's already in place and that she's kind of set to star in this Hawkeye series. So what do you think about this? Do you guys, are you guys down with this? I mean, I forget how everybody felt. I think Matt, you were like curiously, maybe the one who like soured the most on this when we first talked about it. I, I am. Cause it's, it's been a minute since we talked about that. Cause I'm trying to like, <laughs> what did it, what it was my initial reaction? I don't remember. Uh, but I, I think, yeah, I, and it wasn't against her. Cause I'd like no. her a lot. Like yeah. I like her in Bumblebee. I like her in pitch perfect, but I was, she was like, in a lot of the things she's played, she's played like a more kind of non-edgy character. She's played a very kind of like wholesome's the wrong word, but you know what I mean? Like there's, there's a, it's, it's not like the grittier characters and it's not characters that have like a bunch of edge to them. So Kate Bishop is like a really cool character and she has some edge to her and like in a great way, not a bad way. So I was just kind of like, it wasn't that I disliked it. I just was, I could probably, there were probably other actresses out there that I think maybe would be a better fit, but ultimately she's a good actress. So I'm kind of, I'm intrigued to see what she could do. I'm just honestly just happy that Kate Bishop's in the thing because mm-hmm. that's the only reason I care about the show. <laughs> I don't care about I Hawkeye kind of agree as a character. That. Yeah. So. I'm not a big Hawkeye person myself. However, I really do want to see flashbacks with Black Widow. I want him to be struggling. I want to see him mourning because we didn't get our funeral. We didn't get to mourn her. And I want a justice for Scarlet. <laughs> they <laughs> like, totally dropped preach. that storyline in Endgame. Yeah. He's going he's gonna to add did. another, they, another was... bad tattoo to that sleeve. He just, yeah. he just they totally <laughs> dropped that storyline. I know. You know? Right I really rock. want to see that. I don't really care as much about really like, the other right on a rock. <laughs> he had to repeat it before yeah. you got it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I would like to see in the Hawkeye series, uh, mostly because this is probably what readers are used to, but like, could she have like an episode or two to her own as Kate Bishop? Like, does she always have to share the screen with Jeremy Renner's Hawkeye? No, hopefully not. Some, you know, no, hopefully not. Side adventures. No. It's got to definitely be like an origin episode. I mean, that's how Marvel TV typically does it. Like, for sure, those are some of the best. Like that Bullseye episode of Daredevil, even though it's shared, Daredevil was like really good. Uh, so good. But like, <laughs> yeah, hopefully not. Uh, uh, we, I mean, Haley Steinfeld is not somebody who needs Jeremy Renner to like help her hold down just about anything so i i think we could move like on from that yeah and i don't think you get a star that big if it's gonna be a side like if it's gonna be a co-share like i don't think you get someone that big as the lead uh to to do that because i don't think i just think from her perspective why would you sign on for a thing you have to share like that and i don't think renner would sign on to lift a whole tv series right about now I mean, he doesn't really need I would be perfectly happy if it was like literally first two episodes was like like Renner and her heavy focused and then just like 
he pops in as a cameo spot maybe comes once back or twice the throughout end. the rest of the season or maybe at the very end some climactic thing but like, like the rest I, of it's yeah. her i would love that he just gets like captured and it becomes like a trial by fire like rescue him so all you have to see is like a couple scenes of jeremy renner just in the same room they shoot him for a day <laughs> like where he's just like tied that'd up be great i'd be cool that. oh wait maybe he becomes a bad guy like he always does stop it just stop <laughs> Stop insulting the heart and soul of the MCU. Somewhere Jim is like, what is talking about Hawkeye? I'm seriously just sitting here kind of like, whoa, you guys are hating on him. Like, what is going on? No, no, no. Matt is hating on him. I love Hawkeye. I like Hawkeye. I just, he's not, like, it's hard to live up to, like, Here comes the slow hate. At least I'm unabashed about my hate. Janelle is, like, incognito hate. Janelle comes in for a hug and then socks you in the stomach. sometimes forget he's there. That's all I'm saying. I just think if they could bring a tone to his own show that is similar to the Fraction comic series, you might be a convert. Just saying. That is the yeah. biggest, that is the best compliment ever, Janelle. Literally said, I forget he's there. Well, I, I do, because there's, well, I'm just saying in the Avenger movie franchise. At Janelle Wheeler. He's so, they don't give him very much time or especially towards the end there with everybody else are, jumping in and Endgame and all that. I mean, why. anyways, sorry guys. There's a, reason, there's a reason why he sucks. Okay. All right. Aww. Enough of this. We're going to take a break. So. I'm going to try to straighten out my crew while we pay some bills. <laughs> and we're going to come back with hopefully a more positive attitude <laughs> that respects people like Hawkeye. <laughs> Stay tuned. All right. So. Real quick, we'll just get some impressions uh, as we come back from this uh, little ad break for those who are listening. Um, we're kind of still tracking Zack Snyder's Justice League, uh, the cut that's coming to HBO Max next year. And uh, as always, I mean, Snyder has, our, has been marketing this thing for like two years, so why stop now, right? So he's just continuing to uh, give us little teases and trickles of things. And uh, we got to see a cool little scene the one that has been talked about and whispered about all this time, which is where Henry Cavill Superman meets Jeremy Irons, Alfred, uh, while wearing his uh, iconic black suit from uh, Death and Return of Superman. And um, there's a little clip that's been released online, and I liked it. You know, it was a cool, it was very much, again, it was a cool teaser, like the Dark Side uh, Wonder Woman teaser. Uh, I mean, it's a cool little teaser, but it, it also kind of confused me because we saw a trailer for this and I thought that moment was supposed to look like very different in like Snyder's original. We got that trailer, you know, at the end where Alfred's like working, I mean, still the same concept. He's like working on the Batmobile, but you see it from like kind of him facing him and looking up and there was like that green glow and everybody was like, mm-hmm. is it Superman? Is it Green Lantern? Is it Superman? Is it Green Lantern? And this scene just like kind of looked very different. So now I'm just kind of confused about what the hell's going on with this cut and like what I'm getting. But uh, yeah. I think that's one thing that everyone should probably keep in mind about the Snyder cut is that, look, I'm sure Zach will bring uh, narrative beats and emotion and, and, and big action that he always had in mind, but you're talking about someone who is making a, who is assembling a movie now four years after he shot the movie. So he's in a different place, not even including everything that's happened in his life and career since then. So like, you're going to get the Snyder cut, but it's not, 
gonna be the same as it probably would have been three years ago. Yeah, I mean that's a good point. Like, oh, never really thought about that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's not like, I mean we're beginning as this has gone on. It's been hard because everything got so murky between like the PR and the truth in this all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so like, and then the rumors afterwards from weird people from like the guy who swept up the sawdust saying, I've seen the Snyder cut. It's, it's in this location. I marked it. I marked it on a map. Go find it. Like, you know, we had years of that going on. Like we've done crazy amount of reporting on this. And like, it's just like, uh. like you're pointing out, like, we now know just from like the kind of clues, the amount of money that is being put in to finish this and all that, that like, yeah, despite what they said, like, you know, even Josh, Oh, the on stage, like, Oh, he's just retouching a couple things. Like, no, like Snyder was like, had shot a movie and was somewhere in assembling a movie that was nowhere near complete where they right. were just like, we're taking this mess and we're going to make something out of it our way. And he got booted off that movie. So there we are. So like you say, it's really now he is like having to finish a puzzle he never really put together in the first place. Right. It's not going to look like it would have looked back when he was doing And you're it. talking about someone that is coming at it from the perspective of having years of people ask about this cut. So he's probably changed things in his mind that he would have done differently beforehand. Yeah, Maybe, I mean, yeah. so it's going to yeah. be interesting. Man, this is going to be a really interesting thing. And right, he can like, okay, so I'm, as a as a question because i know they're putting a bunch of money into this but is he they're not reshooting everything correct like no. anything correct they are just like it's for visual effects and like making it all bring it all up to code so to speak they're not it reshooting like, things, yeah, right yeah yeah it doesn't it i don't think they're like, reshooting anything yeah okay no not that we know of but okay no. so yeah so i mean it that that's the one thing i would say is that it it has to stay somewhat the same because of just he can't go do new things like so he has to work with what's there he can pretty it up he can right. he can move things around but he really can't play with the overarching thing too much because he shot all this they're not going to shoot more you know so that's so that's good i mean for those who are kind of purists who are like looking for the that this is the quintessential snyder cut you won't be able to come from this and go well there's a real snyder cut somewhere like this is this <laughs> no. is it no uh, but I you know, yeah, yeah, but I think you will see – I mean, this kind of key scene is one I think I'm going to come back to later when we see the whole thing because I think Spencer kind of nailed it on the head. It's like obviously back when he cut that scene the first time and we saw it in Comic-Con, that was cut from a person thinking, you know, here I'm making this movie. This is going to be the tone that I'm going for at this time. You know, nobody knows what's coming, so I'm going to present it this way and, you know, with the marketing and the tease and all that, yeah. and, which was a very different mindset of how you frame a scene, how you present it till now where he knows like everybody knows the lore of all this now here's just a scene let's just stretch it all the way out and you know he shot that obviously before yeah. but again like it's like what you you shoot a lot and he is assembly cut that's five hours long of this stuff so he has like multiples of probably everything and it's just like but the choices you make now like in assembly is like okay no need to hide everybody knows it's gonna be black seat superman and you know he meets alfred and this is a thing people are looking for and it's like here's a big presentation of that thing you're looking for, which is a completely different choice. Yeah. You know, so it's going to be interesting. And but that, that brings up a, a really interesting question about the Snyder Cut as a whole. Is he spent the last, you know, two and a half years talking about what is in it, talking about the secrets, how it ends, who dies, who comes back, all this stuff. Yeah. It's like, what surprises will be left? <laughs> I don't know, man. I think, 
I don't know. It'll be ironic. I'm really sure there will be. It's, it's like four hours long. So. But I don't think anyone's coming to this for surprises. I mean, that, that's, I don't think that's why. I mean, that's at least, I mean, speaking for myself, that's not why I'm, I'm looking to just see what the hell this thing is. No, I and mean, I just want to see it as one complete thing and, and yeah. you know, that kind of thing. I don't think but anyone's I, yeah, looking to Just to be clear, shots. and I think this is what Spencer kind of meant, uh, uh, just to put words in your mouth real quick here, uh, is that basically, no, we know the plot points. There are no surprises, but like, there is a way to tell a story cinematically that is supposed to like thrill you and sure, kind of yeah. draw you in and leave you in suspense of a moment. And then like, what's going to be the other side when the camera cuts and stuff. And it's like, this is a movie where you literally know like, oh, this is that scene. We're just going by bullet points. Like, yeah. oh, this is the scene. Like everybody's going to be up in the theater. Like black suit Superman, y'all. Here it is. Like, you know what I mean? Like, Unless you have so. a Roku or an Amazon Fire Stick because then you still can't get HBO Max and they still have wow. not figured out the deal and it's ending in like three days and I'm losing HBO because of it. So Janelle I have tweeted at them. Well, it's that it's upper ridiculous hug. to me. That How can they not have in. that worked out yet? And it apparently has something to do with Disney Plus. What? I'm doing my research and I know other people while no, listening to this No, it's a concern for me too. Me. It's just hilarious. You just like... You I can't, can't believe that they have not come to terms with this yet. Like you guys, they're basically what I've heard is that they're not allowing HBO, like Roku and, and Amazon are going, you can't have your own app or like in-app the way that Disney Plus does, the way that Netflix does. And that's why they can't come to an agreement. That's well, really messed up. Like yeah. let HBO have their app. I mean, like, there's a whole bunch of stuff there. But, uh, <sighs> I mean, they're probably just squeezing them for money. But, look, man, I mean, I wasn't going to spill this tea, but HBO Max is already killing itself. It's shooting itself in the foot. Like, their report yeah. is hilarious when you actually break it down. Um, they're like, oh, the like, fact that there's, numbers like, and all this stuff are trying to... There's all these like people that have it and have yeah. it active, haven't yeah, used it. Like yeah. Friday, like when Chris talked like to trying to. 30 million like, people yeah. that have it and know. haven't used it. They, <laughs> yeah. they don't know. Or, yeah, exactly. They don't know. Dude, it's like when Chris Tucker's trying to count Big Worm's money on Friday and like flip over the bills and stuff. Because <laughs> like, they're, they're like, yeah, 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 we got like 2 million. And just, like, yeah, no, it's, it's like bottom line is you got like 30 million subscribers and only like. 2 million of those no and only like 1.7 new people like signed up and it's like yeah. yeah that's not going so hot and it's because of again you made the DC universe mistake distro you don't have your distro figured out you gotta mm -hmm. at least in this game now I should be able to either say into my Comcast Xfinity remote to like start your app or go flip over to my Amazon Fire Stick or Roku and, and fire it yep. up yeah, once you get down to just PlayStation and stuff like that, like... It's just PlayStation. I think Apple TV has it. Yeah, that doesn't even match your customer base. Like, older people yep. looking for sophisticated HBO stuff, like... Well, and there's still the yeah. whole, like, we just... We, we went ahead and got it, right? And we have the PS4 app. But I remember her trying to, like, Anissa went to go hunt for the app. And was like, oh, which one do I click on? There's yeah, three. There's three. Yeah, three <laughs> HBO snaps now. HBO, yeah, now HBO go, go in Max. max, yeah. So now she's like, which one Max. do I do? I'm like, oh my God. Well, it's yeah. actually a contra code. If you put it in right, it says now go Max. And then you get like a secret portal or something like, yeah. yeah. A, B, A, B, up, down, up, down. HBO now, I don't even know what that was. So like, yeah, I don't know. But oh I don't even know how we got there. This is not on the schedule. Janelle, Janelle uppercut in HBO. I'm so <laughs> frustrated with them. Well, your punishment for that uh, is now you got to talk about Comic-Con okay. at home. Congratulations. Well, Comic-Con at home.
So yeah, here's our recap of Comic Con at home. Uh, it came. It was a thing. It was here. Janelle, take us through. Yeah. Okay. What were so, some of the big things? I mean, goodness. let's just start. I, I mean, I think I had a list in here, and let's just nail the list. Uh, oh no. Sure. I Go for I, it. I, I have a list too, just of like my favorite things. I know everybody. Well, has let's just hit some fandom. of the highlights. Like, I mean, okay. what was big? People want to know. So we had uh, Walking Dead. Yep. Uh, season 10. That was probably one of the biggest things. Season got. 10 will, the finale will be airing on October 4th. And that's very, that's really great to hear because we've been one episode shy. Um, but it is technically not the end of the series because they are going to add an additional six episodes early on in 2021 to this season. So that's good news too. I think that they might be trying to start shooting in October. I know we've heard this from a couple different studios, but uh, that's, that's what I'm hearing. They're going to add six episodes on. So that's really great. We're going to see Maggie return. Um, it's going to be huge. Yeah. Did we get a trailer? Mm, uh, yeah, we did. We did. We get, it was actually a really long one too. It looked great. Uh, it showed Maggie receiving uh, like a message from um, Carol, I believe, um, you know, asking for help. Who knows? Maybe Maggie will be the one that swoops in and helps them with the whisperers. We don't really know, uh, but it's really, it's, it's nuts. It's going to be really crazy. Um, when October 4th hits, you're going to have the finale, the finale, I have to put in quotes. Um, then it's going to go into the new Walking Dead spinoff show called uh, The like World Beyond. Yeah, oh, that one. And yeah. then a- immediately after that is The Talking Dead. So that's like over three Oof. hours of Walking Dead Jeez. on that night. Yeah, it's going to be a lot. But uh, if you think Walking Dead is over, it's, it's not. Because <laughs> we also have Fear coming up. They had a great panel for Fear Walking Dead. And it was, yeah, it was really good. I thought it was very satisfying when you don't have like your Marvel. If you're a Walking Dead fan, you don't have Marvel news. You don't have a lot of DC news. At least you have a ton of Walking Dead news. <laughs> uh, the other one was uh, New Mutants was a big thing. Oh, so, yeah. Oh, talk about that. So apparently yeah, yeah, Charlie, Charlie's going to end up being right about this. For, not because he had any good sense, but because of just <laughs> legal reasons. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I mean, let's Boy, be he's honest. The, he's the wrestler that just won't get pinned. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Basically, Charlie's surviving on technicalities. Jeez. Um, because, yeah, they can't. There's a whole bunch of there's a whole bunch of snafus and legalities, but they can't go through streaming services first. They're gonna have to go theatrical. So Charlie's gonna win this thing eventually. Uh, but yeah, we had the New Mutants panel, and that was a fun panel. Brandon Davis did that and talked with the cast and uh, director Josh Boone, who cleared up a lot of things about you know there were no reshoots. They basically didn't even get to really finish their film. It sounded like because of the Disney Fox merger, they yep. got done shooting it. We're doing post production. They were like, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up couple years couple years <laughs> all right all right all right we're gonna finish this thing and so they've just now gotten to see the finished film themselves recently this film that was supposed to be out in like 2018 like yeah it's crazy so the movie business i really liked crazy, that kids. teaser it was cool their yeah. like trailer teaser basically they're laughing at themselves they posted right. each date they scratched yeah. it out post another date scratch it out and then it had showed up a bunch of blurbs of comments of people kind of talking smack about the release date, how it's never going to happen. And 
then it says, I think it's August 28th, right? Is yeah, that what they're, they're still pushing yeah. for? That's what I was going for. Yeah, they're still holding strong at that August 28th. But they, they included a comment that said, fingers crossed underneath that. So Well, that was the real kick in the teeth, right? Was yeah. they had in the middle of the panel, Disney dropped like 100 release dates and delays and oh wasn't on the list. But yeah. stuff that opens like a week before is gone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, not but, coming I mean, out in August. but I think it could. I mean, this could be just their way. Or uh, isn't this like a way? Wouldn't this be theoretically like a way over the legalities if they just drop it in theaters no matter what? And then it's like because it doesn't matter if no one goes to see it, right? Yeah, it's fine as long as it was in theaters. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and then it just rapidly comes to Disney Plus, and they're just like, hey, or Hulu or whatever. Oh my god, that will be the ultimate drive. technicality for Charlie. Yeah. I the mean, ultimate like, technicality. <laughs> no one literally saw it. But it's in a theater, and so technically he wins. Charlie will eat that up and lord <laughs> it over us forever. <sighs> he'll, he'll take an asterisk win. Don't worry about it. So um, aside from New Mutants, we also had The Boys. Season two <sighs> came uh, to Comic-Con at home. And, uh, I mean, what is there to say? This is a fun cast. Uh, it's a fun panel. Season two looks just the more and more we see, and there's new clips out. Uh, this just looks like it's going to be the thing we need <laughs> to get us through. Uh, I mean, Spencer, you're on the hook to tell us if Umbrella Academy is going to, you know, sate us until the boys arrives. Are we going to have like a good one-two punch here? Because that boys is looking really hot. Um, we also got a trailer for Archer season 11 for anybody who's still hanging on. Thankfully, this is like Archer coming back to being, you know, actual Archer, not one of these weird, alt universe themed you know seasons we've been doing if you don't remember a couple seasons ago archer got left in a coma so then we had a detective noir one we had a tropical island one we had a space one which was the god awful worst um and the show's just not the same like the this is a great cast i love this cast i love this show but like honestly it was the spy workplace comedy that really kind of made the show work for me at least and apparently for a lot of other people so it's going to be good to see Archer get back to, to its roots. So I'm um, looking forward to that. Uh, we also got to look at Star Trek universe. We got some teasers. That was an interesting panel because they were doing like live table reads and stuff like that. Um, yeah. That got kind of rough. Yeah. Yeah. All right, we got some teasers for discovery season three coming up, you know, some teasers for Picard season two. Um, but we're still waiting to hear more about like uh, world or not worlds beyond this walking dead strange new worlds or whatever it's called the uh, captain pike spinoff which i'm actually i mean I, i'm kind of saying that but i'm actually excited for that so looking forward to that um what else i feel like i'm missing some other stuff like what else? um it was there was the constantine 15 year anniversary in which keanu reeves is the most adorable wholesome person in the whole world <laughs> he was just a ball of happy, just smiling. He literally was shouting out actors, sound guys, lighting guys, crew, cast from 15 years ago. It was, wow. it was so sweet. And the story was just great. Uh, seeing them all catch up was an awesome panel. I love that panel. Um, Bill and Ted, Face Music coming out. Uh, they're going to put that in the theaters and also, um, you know, have that available to rent um, at home, watch at home. I'm very much looking forward to that. I think that was the most well done panel as far as, you know, we're, we're at home and we can't really make things look fancy. And they did such a 
beautiful job. Whoever animated that, whoever worked really hard behind the scenes, like our friend Richard over here at this podcast, that person did great. You did a great job of setting that up. If you want to go watch that, that's a really good panel. And there was this interesting story about the creators of Bill and Ted and how they couldn't find someone to cast. Like they didn't, they were worried that the studio wouldn't cast two good guys for these roles because they always acted them out. And they were in Arizona getting ready to uh, go to set to meet whoever they casted. And they were at a McDonald's complaining in line that they weren't going to like the actors that got picked. And then they saw these two dudes in front of them that were like, hey, man, yeah, what's up? And they said, man, those guys would have been perfect. They should have cast them. And then they get to set, and it was those guys. It was Keanu (laughs) and Alex. And I just, I was like, how is that even real? That's like... That, that's that's a crazy. great story. That's yeah. really cool. There's a lot of really great stories. That's a great panel too. Oh, uh, we also um, saw Marvel's Hellstrom. Yes. Yeah, Marvel did show up sort of with an asterisk for uh, Hellstrom. <laughs> Marvel uh, showed up. Yeah, quote unquote. <laughs> yeah, Marvel TV. <laughs> uh, the, uh, the Redhead Child. Do we even get a trailer for that? Because I haven't heard yeah, a Yeah, there thing. was a trailer. Really? Ugh. I oh, did not, man. I did not hear of the trailer so i didn't watch it my bad it wasn't one of the notable uh topics for our show that we did so i didn't do a lot of coverage on that one um but i'm definitely i'll check it out after uh the podcast today if you guys want to check in with us we'll be we'll watch it tweet us yeah tweet tweet us us. (laughs) we'll we'll do a quarantine watch trailer party (laughs) yeah well i'll watch it uh i will say one of the delightful um panels to watch was janelle's panel she got to do on our comic book show uh which was pretty cool because you got to talk to i love that show oh me too i'm obsessed yeah which is upload by the way for those who didn't get to watch she got to talk to the cast which was dope yeah you went out there yeah you went out there and did it i was very nervous my first zoom interview but you guys helped me through it you taught me how to do it and they were just very charming really nice group of people greg daniels uh robbie amell and Andy Allo, really good people, honestly. I yeah, was I was looking, really I was just like, I was on glass ceiling, like uh, just, or glass door, whatever that thing is, looking up like new hosts possibly, that are like five minutes into your interview, I just shut it and I was like, nah, man, she's doing good. She's doing wow. good. Wow. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, doing real good. I was like, man. I was real proud. Then I was real proud. I was like, yeah. Aww. All that, all that podcast. No, no don't, Good don't job. give him that. Good job. <laughs> that was such a backhanded compliment. <laughs> no, this just was a compliment, you know? Yeah. It went from negative to positive, and it's all good. <laughs> Tough all right. Love. So, like moving it. right along. So, that was Comic Con at home, not to bring it down on a, on a somber note. I just watched the Hellstrom trailer real quick. Yeah, it's a show. Good job. Uh, like like it, it's on hulu and it, it has some marvel related things in it um yeah it in it, as you can tell and i hate to be the bearer of bad news Uh-oh. um comic-con at home was overall a bomb uh oh, no. it really massively underperformed um yeah social media imprint was down a whopping quote in our article a whopping 95 percent yeah uh comic-con typically does nearly two million tweets during a typical Comic-Con related to the convention, and this year was 93,681. Wow. Yeah. 
Yeah. Didn't even know that. It means you and BD in your first two night shows basically doubled the amount of people who total <laughs> on social media. Oh, oh man, that's great. So uh, thanks Oof. to you and BD for making this interesting because, uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you were like the highlight of this. <laughs> um, yeah. And that's not to make your head bigger. That's just numbers. Uh, wow. Yeah. So yeah, not a good job. The whole comic con at home experiment to make everybody get in deeper because we're all included and get all the content. Yeah. Um, didn't work out. And I could see why uh, there were just, I mean, it was a weird thing because it it felt really impersonal because like, they didn't even go through like the trouble of like staging some of these panels as live events on social media. Right. To kind of make everybody watch at the same time. It just kind of like at a certain hour, a YouTube clip like yeah. link came live. Yeah. Some You're of them just, got I'm messed up. I'm they're just refreshing panels waiting. Yeah. Cartoon yeah. Network got messed up because like there weren't legal clearances that were right or something yeah. like that. Oh so their video yeah, they got cool they got their own YouTube. <laughs> They like, got their own trailer. Yeah, they got their own trailer <laughs> pulled. Oh Copyright claimed. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> Gotta love uh, YouTube. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so, and like, yeah, a lot of the panels were just, I mean, since everybody's on quarantine, there were, I mean, there were some that were kind of like lively and good with the right combination of people. Like Fear the Walking Dead actually picked the right couple of people mm-hmm. to kind of put out there because Lenny James and Alicia Devin Carey are, are good and lively and Coleman Domingo is really lively. So, like, you know, those are good picks. And, oh, wait, I don't know if he was on it. Was Coleman on it? Yes. Coleman? Yeah. 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 Yes. So, like, yeah, very lively guy. Like, great to put out there. Makes things, you know, makes things run really well. So, but other ones like Star Trek, like we said, were just kind of, like, kind of weird and obviously maybe didn't have their ideas as thought out as possibly they should be, so... It makes me nervous about the DC fandom coming up. Like, I wonder, maybe they can learn from some of this or make it better. I think they're safe because they know the golden rule, which is they're going to be dropping headline bombs on people. And and things that are going to be like, make us all tweet our brains out. Because like the YouTube things were, the idea is sound, right? I get it. It's it's efficient. Mm -hmm. You can go ahead and like do the whole thing, put it on there. Here's the link. Here's the time. But- Like for any pertinent information, if you really wanted to, all you had to do was just skip ahead because the whole thing's preloaded. Yeah. It's not live. So they you could just skip like to the very end and get whatever big nugget one more yeah. thing was. But even then, there wasn't. There weren't yeah. a lot of, hey, here's the demo or here's the book or we're announcing a whole new series. Like that was barely anywhere. So yeah, like yeah. Fandom has, you know, each geez, even if we get three of the rumored things that would be enough to generate way more yeah. than yeah, what we I mean, kind of got. They can here. generate on comics, movies. Like yeah. The games are supposed to pop games. up like, you know, yeah, and if it's that's be the big. biggest thing. Yeah. So. I think they, yeah. I think they made the right move in kind of holding back all their exclusive content for that. Yeah. But honestly, another thing that they could improve on. And I, and I, I don't know that anyone has said this specifically, but I think one thing that people are sort of tired of is, uh, uh, being inundated with just hours of celebrities on zoom calls. Like I get the irony of <laughs> yeah. us being on one yes. now, but like who wants to sit at home and watch 
eight hours of celebrities zooming together. So yeah, you know, pick a host so true, and, and do like you know an actual hosted video, not you know squares. Uh, and I know this is wrong for me to say because I'm sitting in a like cramped room with a bunch of princess tents right now. But yeah, I keep getting mad about celebrity homes. I'm like, I don't want to see your keypad in the background or your thermostat. I will You're say the Walking the Dead fantasy, cast like, had the best yeah. backgrounds. The Walking Dead cast had like really pretty houses like behind them i was actually impressed with their style yeah so i mean it was weird this comic con was weird there was no making up for it so i mean nice try but it's a it's a weird thing but like there's i feel like so there was a um a, like a virtual convention that i took part of like earlier this month and i honestly expected just like that i expected like hey here's a Here's a Comic-Con sheet of who's available. And then you click on the thing and you're taken to a Zoom room or you're taken to like a YouTube page or whatever. And it was like a literal virtual space. And you would like click on the, the layout and like here are all the booths. And like you click on that and you go to their booth and it's, yes, it's like presented with graphics and things like that. But you would click on certain things and be taken to the room or the Zoom room. It, the effort, like, yes, it was a smaller scale convention, but like, it makes a difference when you're, you know, when you're giving time and hours and hours of time to like want to check this out. I like that left me very impressed. And it's something that I feel like if there's going to, because there's going to be other shows that pop up during this time where we're all just confined. Uh, it would be smart to go the extra mile because I feel like it will actually help. It, it, I agree with Spencer. It is kind of boring to just have endless, endless, YouTube things or endless, endless Zoom things. And that's like, that's it. There's no varied thing. And like part of the fun of Comic-Con is getting to go to all the spaces and see all the things. You can do some of that if you put some money into it and put a little more. Like, can you imagine if, if Marvel did like a Nintendo Direct style video of oh Kevin gosh. Feige introducing clips yeah. and people and talking about yes. new things? That would crush the internet. Nintendo Direct, like when we were all in the office, dominated the office. Yeah. Like they were, yeah. everyone got around the TV and watches the 20 minute thing. Hey. And it's the same thing. It's just watching someone <laughs> say crap on a screen. You're not, you're not there testing it out, but it's the way it's presented and they're dropping pertinent stuff that you are excited about and want to hear like that. It can work. So yeah, I mean, I hope fandom does take some notes. Cause that'd be good. Yeah, for real. All right. Well, moving on to that awkward thing to uh, hopefully some good things on our horizon. Uh, Spencer, Matt, you guys got a chance to kind of uh, quickly just give us some spoiler-free reviews of two big upcoming Netflix features. One is a cat. Uh, 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 oh my god, Umbrella Academy season <laughs> two. Uh, we'll start with you, Spencer, and then uh, Matt will do Transformers: War for Cybertron. Word. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I didn't give you a good setup there. I mean, okay, here's here's a good prompt. Here's a good prompt. Is Umbrella season okay? Is Umbrella uh, uh, is Umbrella Academy season two going to feel the same after we've seen the boys? And is this season, you know, better or lesser than the first season, or about the same? I did not enjoy it as much as the first season, but I will caveat to say that it is still good. If you like those characters from the first season, you're going to get more of what you like about them in the new episodes. You're also probably going to get uh, some of the things you didn't like about them. Like if you didn't like that Luther was sort of mopey and whiny, 
there's more of that, but I like that stuff and he's one of my favorite characters. So that was okay by me. Um, it, it is really interesting though, that uh, if you come at the series from the perspective of being a reader of the books as I was, cause I, I was reading them when they first came out, uh, season two is remarkably different from volume two of the comic books. Like, yes, it is set in Dallas. Yes. It deals with time travel and, you know, uh, the, the Kennedy assassination to an extent, but that's about where the similarities end. It's, it's pretty much its own thing. And, and at first when I watched the season, I wasn't sure how much I was enjoying that, but I, I gave it another shot and watched it again. And I was like, no, it, it really works by finding its own identity in this new season. Uh, it, it, it works. It's, it's really good. And I've seen a lot of people that enjoyed it more than the first season. So uh, perhaps I'm in the minority in, in not liking it quite as much, but it is still good. And I'm, I'm really curious to see where it goes next. When is what about it the boys? Uh, oh yeah. Let's get to uh, this Friday, uh, July. Oh, okay. I will say that your article was so well-written. Like I felt oh, thank you. like I, knew what to expect a lot more so that I didn't get my hopes up in the wrong way. <laughs> but yeah, that, that is one thing is uh, they, it, it's kind of hilarious in the first like 10 minutes, they like get rid of things that didn't work about the first season, like really quickly. Yeah. And, but then they find new things to sort of trip themselves up along the way, but I can't talk about those cause they're spoilery. So. <laughs> I'm really excited for this uh, content. <laughs> Give me content. All right, what about Janela's uh, shirt? Yeah, yeah, no, more content. More please. content. Yeah, you're gonna get your inbox is gonna become. I was a someone who like hated it, the influencer thing. Like, I'm like too much content. There's just too much stuff. And ever since quarantine, I'm like. Just give me more content. I'll be honest. I never used the word content until I started hanging out with you. Now I use it all the time. (laughs) Like, I don't know. I've just been influenced, I guess. Um, Yeah. All right. So, I'll wait. I never even asked my question. So, my only question is, how did you feel about – because Umbrella Academy came out and it was, like, so hot. And last year, we were talking about this. It was – the whole thing was it was crushing deadly class, like, I mean, Umbrella Academy. Right, yeah. The Deadly Class is launched and walked off and left that series on the morgue slab. And I love Deadly Class, so I was kind of sad about that. But um, then the boys came along, and all of a sudden we were like, wait, Umbrella who? We forgot all about that and kind of like got on this big boys kick. So how does it feel now in a a post-boys world kind of checking back in? You know, they're so different tonally in that I, I feel like the boys, both the books and the show, are way more about a middle finger or a crowbar to the head towards the Marvel side of superheroes. Whereas I don't think the Umbrella Academy, it certainly deals in superheroics and people having powers, but it doesn't uh, uh, fall into the trope problems that uh, the boys is sort of poking fun at. So in that regard, I think they're, you know, they have people with powers in them, both shows, but they're kind of traveling in two different directions. Fair enough. All right. So good, we can be happy with good. both. Yeah, totally. Yeah. All right, good. Cause I got, uh, I need something to do. All <laughs> right. That'll be the review of umbrella Academy season two, Matt, take it away. Transformers war for Cybertron. Yeah. So, uh, this one actually hits on the 30th. So it looks like, yeah, both two things primed, uh, for the weekend. Primed. Uh, 
Yep. See what I did there? Uh, dad jokes. It's official. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so uh, also neither of these titles are as good as Blood Origin. <laughs> still a better that title. title still oh, not as good as Blood. Oh, wait. Stop it. Stop it. Uh, no, War for Strivertron is, uh, is a really cool project. comes from Rooster Teeth uh, and, of course, uh, Netflix and Hasbro. Um, this is a six-part. This first chunk is a six-part series of a trilogy of series um and uh you know we had previously talked about that this one is kind of in the final moments of cybertron and and without getting into spoilers like that really is uh legit like it's one it's one of the coolest parts about the series is that like we've had you know i mean movies the live action movies of course as well but even in animation we've had kind of more mature takes on transformers um, i never i'm still in 86 i'm still in that movie <laughs> in atlanta <laughs> We've Staring had the, the screen. We've had the thing. Optimus is getting back up. Get back up, Optimus. <laughs> we've had the thing of like where we see kind of Transformers put through like a prism of like, oh, like things are really dark and like they had they have Transformers has a little bit more edge. In this one though, I have never seen an adaptation where the tra- where the Autobots are like this kicked in the dirt. Like <laughs> like the Autobots start off this thing like in such a pit like there it's it's like looks terrible like it looks so bad for them and you're like how the like really like they rate they were able to kind of put the stakes really high because you're not used to seeing optimus uh you know here alita one has a much bigger presence um like she kind of did in some of the original stuff and in the comics over the years but here like alita one is essentially like right here with prime um and like ultra magnus has a really interesting arc but like things are really dire like it, it i was amazed by that they also don't it's not constant like brutal things of like you know you're not gonna see like people's heads getting decapitated or things like that but i will I'm say out. i will say the stuff that you do see there's a couple moments where they really like kind of push the pedal of like no we want you to see that this like war has been devastating and brutal on them um there, there's a lot of really interesting stuff and it, it was uh, cool to see the Transformers in that light again uh, and see like real stakes applied. Um, you know, trying to kind of avoid spoiler stuff. It just looks gorgeous. Like if you've seen the trailers like this, I feel anyway, for me, my personal tastes and visual style, I think this looks beautiful. Um, the The voice cast is really good. I will say there is a, a weird, and I don't know if it's like, it seems like a choice. It seems like a, a the way they speak, some of the like, especially Optimus Prime, because um, it's not, Peter Cullen, obviously. So, but the way they all speak, they, they like stop in the middle of words. It's this weird thing of like, it, I think it's for dramatic effect, but it ends up kind of, it, it ends up like really noticeable. Like midway through, I was like, why do they keep doing that? And then like, I couldn't not hear. And it was just like- Can you speak in a sentence the way that you're describing? Go so to the we gravity well. Like it's that, it's like this stop- that is odd, yeah. It's like this stop in the <laughs> middle of a word and it's done, you know, it has their effects on it and stuff. So it's just like, and it's some of these really dramatic moments, but it's weird. It's just like, I couldn't take my mind off it after a while. Um, but uh, I, I, they focus on a smaller group of Transformers. Um, and because of that, like you won't see everybody. You're not going to, like, you're only going to see, I maybe counted maybe like eight Autobots really that get like a lot of shine. Like you'll see, some briefly 
in a, on a screen or you'll, you'll see someone mention, hear someone mention, but like, it's a really a small group of Autobots. I think it's better because like, there are moments for those Autobots have, well, Wheeljack, Mirage has like a really cool sequence later. Alita One has some cool stuff. Uh, Jetfire has like an amazing, like I'm a Jetfire fan now. Um, there's some really cool stuff in there uh, that you wouldn't get if you saw everybody, but I imagine you're going to hear after this that like, well, why weren't there more featured? Why didn't I see this X person or this Autobot or this Transformer? Um, you know, and, and there's a couple I would have loved to have seen, but again, we have two more series of six episodes each. Uh, so I imagine we'll get to those down the line. But overall, I really enjoyed this. Like as a, you know, as a, as a big Transformers fan, I thought it did a really good job of like taking some characters different ways, especially Bumblebee, uh, who is not the Bumblebee you're used to, um, but we sort of kind of get there. Um, it, they take some chances, but it's all with a clear like love of the, of the IP. So, I mean, I, I definitely recommend it if you're a Transformers fan. And uh, it starts out a little slow, but by like episode, by, I will say by the end of episode two, I was like in binge mode. I was like, I had to, I needed to watch the next one, the next one. And I binged the whole thing in a night. So, yeah. All right. That's our review, spoiler free, of uh, Transformers War for Cybertron, which will also be on Netflix. Uh, when is it? This weekend? This weekend. All right. Good weekend for Netflix. Awesome. So we were going to do a comics rundown, but uh, you went on long. So we gotta, we're going to push that <laughs> into the next show because I want to talk about a lot of these books and kind of go in depth with that. So we're going to do like a bigger comic rundown on the next show Uh, because we also have something to do here. That's great for you guys. We have an interview that we did with the creators of one of the hottest comic books out there right now. Excellence. That is writer Brandon Thomas and artist Kari Randolph. And uh, yeah, it's the story about a kind of magical world. That's like Harry Potter in many ways, except with a very kind of, um, uh, Afro Latinx slash kind of slant to it about these kind of class of magic users and wizards who basically have to are are the kind of magical aids to primarily white people um, to making their lives go right and and having things. Uh, and it's a look inside this prominent black family inside that world and of the magical order and the son who kind of disrupts their standing in the magical world by doing some things that he kind of uh, shouldn't and kind of starts a whole chain reaction of, of events. But um, yeah, it's really a cool comment. E- excellence. It's beautifully drawn and inked. So pretty. And so like the, ama- like the magical fights and all of that stuff is amazing. And it just, it sounds like it, it like as if there was the inner city of today where also had a magical kind of Harry Potter world behind it. Like what that would be like. And um, yeah, it, it's a great series. And the mythology they've already kind of created and tapped, to, tapped into is great. And there's a lot of it that is going to, as they will tell us in the interview, turns out to be pretty uh, predictive Watchmen style of where the world was going to go before they ever even had an idea that would be real life. So you got to listen to all of that in our interview with uh, Excellence Creators Brandon Thomas and Kari Randolph, which is coming up next. Check that out. What up, comic fans? I am here to, uh, I've got a really cool uh, job today. I mean, my job is always cool, actually. But I have a really cool one today because I get to talk about one of my favorite uh, series in comics right now. And I get to do it with the two creators. So with us today is Brandon Thomas and Randolph of Excellence. How are you guys? Doing good. Doing good. We're we're still here. 
Oh, Kari's got a visitor there. We got a guest yeah. star. Yeah, you know, it's it's me and, and Miko at the moment. He feels oh like he God. needs to be a part of this. So, you know, we got to make man. it work. There goes our standards. We ban Matt from trying to bring his cat onto the show all the time. <laughs> so you're setting a bad, setting a real bad precedent right now. And my baby. Setting a bad precedent is kind of my thing, you. It's what I do best. Yeah, That's... I tried to bring my dog and my baby on, and all three have been nixed from the Y'all show. So you are, you, you are very in high company. Eventually you you'll get to something that you're allowed to bring on. <laughs> I'm going to get uh, yeah, I'm going to get someone in there. So, uh, yeah. yeah, let's, well, one, let's get started because, um, you know, one of the coolest things uh, about excellence is kind of its crazy mix of uh, sadly current uh, relevant society issues uh, with racism and oppression, but also this like crazy magic filled story. It's like, I mean, just cracked out Harry Potter. It's <laughs> It's like awesome and nuts. So like this mix uh, matches up to make something really cool. So when you guys were kind of coming up with the series, what was kind of your mission statement, so to speak, uh, about what you wanted to do with it? And also, was there anything you were trying to avoid? Because we've seen worlds of magic and things like that uh, before in comics. But what were mm. you, was there anything you kind of wanted to avoid or, or steer away from when you were well, kind of creating this world? Well, I, I'll say that when... Um when we were kind of uh, developing it, kind of figuring out how it was going to work, one of the biggest changes from the initial excellence pitch to, to kind of how it ended up now is that, you know, there's a slight kind of, it, it's not slight, it's pretty obvious. It's kind of like a subversion of kind of like the magical Negro trope, you know, just kind of these, these like wise, you know, black characters that are helping some, you know, poor white man, you know, figure out his life and, whatever his emotional problems are. And that was a, it was a much bigger part of the series when it was pitched. And the more the series was developed, it became more about the actual magicians and less about the people they were protecting. Not to say that the primary focus was always on Spencer and the other magicians and the families, but there was a lot more kind of, I would say like screen time devoted to the people that they're actually, you know, protecting. And that was something that kind of fell out of the series the longer we worked at it. And yeah, I think we got it was that out of here real quick. Yeah. Yeah. And it was good <laughs> because I, I think it was, it was something that, that, that is really kind of, the kind of background noise yeah, of the up. series. And I think that's another thing that made it, that made it feel different because it's not about the people they're protecting. The people that they're protecting barely even appear in the series. You just kind of see the consequences of them not protecting them or protecting them too well. So I think that was one of the, one of the things that, uh, that changed the most from the initial pitch to the kind of fully realized version uh, that, that, we're, that we're working on now, which was, I, I think it was ultimately, you know, for the betterment of the book, because it focused it on what it kind of should be focused on. One, as a follow-up to that, one thing that I, I love about the book that I think is really unique in the achievement you guys have kind of, well, achievement you guys have achieved, that's terrible. But anyway, what I'm trying to say is that while it is fantastical with the magic and a lot of the kind of the fantasy and the tropes that it's playing in, it, it's probably the most grounded series I, I've seen in kind of creating 
the black experience and making it feel authentic and real in the way people talk to each other, family dynamics, small details like just seeing a haircut with Gigi and how that kind of plays <laughs> out. So you can yeah. you guys talk about just the uh, process of because that's a hard mix to do. Um, like it's it's hard when you've been kind of somebody who's come up learning stories. There is no code switching, for lack of a better term, in this. It, it really is authentic to, like I said, the black experience. And can you talk about just trying to marry those two things, keeping well, it grounded and authentic and fantastical at the same time? Well, that was actually what drew me to the book, honestly. Because, um, you know, I feel like people tend to get drawn in by the fact that the, it's it's like the, the magical element. That's the part that's like cool. And it's visually like the first thing you see. Um, and that part is awesome, and I love drawing that part, of course. But the thing that kept me really interested in doing this book in the first place was the interpersonal relationships between the characters in the book. Specifically, it was it was uh, Spencer and his dad, which was a thing that, like, honestly spoke to me. Like, when, when me and Brandon had our first conversations about the book, that was the part that was like, oh, this is, like, a different kind of thing than is normally on the market. Um, and then seeing the relationship between him and his mom and his grandma, him and his mom, those are the things that like grounded the book for me that made it stand apart than all the other science fiction, magical things I've done in the past. And that was what, when I, when I got that first script, I was like, Oh, this is, this is something special. This is something different. And when I can read a script and like really feel emotionally connected to it, uh, I know that it, that will do the same to other people. Uh, and that and that is why I, I think this book resonates is because on each step, like he reads a script, I get emotional. Then I draw it. And while I'm drawing it, I get emotional. <laughs> and then I see Emilio color it. And I'm like, damn, that, I didn't even see it like that. And each time if we're getting affected by it, mm. it it's usually a good sign that like, the broader audience is also going to be like, Oh, this is, this is it. This is it. Yeah. It's, uh, it's been a a great experience, but it's also been, you know, I think I've been open about how personal a lot of the stuff in the book is, especially the, the relationship between Spencer and his father very much mirrors my own. And so uh, there's real, You know, the the pain is real, like the angst is real, the disappointment is real. And so, you know, my job is to just try to get as much of that into the actual script and get it to Kari. And and at the beginning, it it took me a while to get to that point where I would, you know, because the issues come out and um, I'm not one of those, right? I can read my own stuff. Like I can read it kind of critically. Usually it's, it's critically like, Oh, you know, I should have done a better line there. That's terrible what I did, but excellence is like a book that I kind of can't read after it comes out. Like it's so kind of personal and it's, there's, there are certain scenes in the book that are so specific to things that have, that have happened or, or exaggerations or extensions of things that have happened that, it's kind of difficult for me to revisit it. And every time I finished a script and got it out, like I felt like just emotionally exhausted at the end because I was just like, Oh, <laughs> like, like, oh, should I have put that in there? Like, is that, was that too specific? 
so it's been um, it, it's been really fun uh, kind of just doing that, just kind of putting that kind of, putting that kind of personal stuff like out in a very public way where sometimes it's uncomfortable. But I think that kind of specificity is what is what people are grabbing on to, like Kari said. Like you can tell it's, you know, for lack of a better term, you know, it's real. Like it, it feels real. Like the relationships are coming from a very kind of honest place and you know there are certain like like Kari said I mean <laughs> you know I'll write I'll, you'll kind of do a scene sometimes and I'm just like man like I'm I'm over here like I'm I'm feeling this like I'm really feeling this right now and um you know it, it's been a really it's been a really kind of great uh kind of opportunity and a really great kind of lesson for me to show me that I need to kind of open open myself up a little more and stop being so closed off which is part of what the book is about it's about people that aren't like truly in touch or in control of their emotions and their reactions to each other so it's been a really it's been a really kind of amazing uh you know kind of uh, process to kind of work on this book with Kari and I feel like we learned so much about each other just by working on this book because I put things in the book thinking like well this is like a very specific thing that happened to me and then Kari's like that did happen to me too and I was like oh man so it's it's really been it's really this, been a, a pleasure kind of working yeah this stuff with the dad that's happened to me too that's what I was kind of asking <laughs> yeah. I was just like yeah I was like oh yeah I know this story like you know yeah more so than I can go to a lot of other places in comics, you know, this speaks to me specifically in a very real way between uh, father and son relationships mm -hmm. you know, in, in our community and things like that. So yeah. yeah, it was fantastic, man. Well, and you know, one of the things and you kind of touched on it was because the book focuses so much on Spencer and his father, sometimes um, it can be easy to miss like the amazing moments between Spencer and his mother who like in yeah. recent issues and I can't remember if it was seven or it was eight, seven. it was seven. Yeah. There's this great little conversation between Spencer and his mom. And like, you really like, you know, his father has had so much influence and, and it's so high ranking and all these things. And you feel like he's in the know and has control over everything, but you slowly learn like he really doesn't. And in fact, it's the mom who kind of keeps everything from like falling absolutely apart. And even though Spencer's kind of, on this journey and stuff like she still sees through all that and can see the, the person on the other side. And I guess, you know, there's also a big thing with um, that the book deals with sexism and uh, in a way because yes. women can't yeah. use magic and yeah. they're, you know, you see like a few uh, mm -hmm. women get the chance and they can, um, mm -hmm. but it's, so it's not for any lack of talent or lack of power or whatever. It's right. just literally this oppressive thing saying, no, you can't. What was the, I guess the, the angle there that you guys wanted to, to focus in on what, you know, kind of say about that. <laughs> okay. Well, I will say as little as possible for, um, things coming up. Mm -hmm. I don't want to, uh, <laughs> I don't want to forecast or foreshadow things, but, um, that conversation between Spencer and his mother actually is not over. We're going to continue that in a later issue. And, um, you know, I'm not going to say anything. It's just dangerous for me to even, to even dance into that question. 
So I'll just say uh, keep uh, keep an eye on uh, on Mama Dales, and, and that's all I'll say. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, just I feel like what you said just now, like where like a lot of the focus tends to be on the, the relationships between the men who seem like they're like running the show when it's really the women behind the scenes getting shit done for real. I feel like that is a, that is a very deliberate effort on our part to kind of talk about what goes on. Like, you know, in, in my family, it's the, the men think they run stuff, but it's always, <laughs> it is always the women who are like, actually, nah, we, we got this. Like it's, it's just a thing that happens, at least in my family, and I'm sure mine isn't the only one that's like that. So no, it is not. <laughs> <laughs> I recently watched. Uh, we've been for I don't know why we've been for some reason watching Family Matters in this household for like reruns or whatever. This uh-huh. is no more apparent than Carl, who is like upon you know how they did that. Uh, Zach Morris is like a terrible person thing yeah, after yeah. Saved by the Bell. Okay, yeah. it's not to that extent, but good lord, there are so many issues with Carl Winslow. <laughs> After watching Family Matters, yeah, I had the same. It's the same thing. Like Harriet runs it, and oh my lord, he would be like lost without anything. <laughs> no one cares about Family Matters. I don't know why I brought this up. Anyway, yeah, going like, come to on. <laughs> going to remember. Thing. I remember Family. Come on, everybody remembers Family Matters. <laughs> You're talking to men of a certain age. Trust me. Yes. <laughs> we were all, we were all there on those Friday nights. Yeah, the oh, perfect stranger like that. Whole yeah, lot. TGIF. We were all there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I was um, just. You know, we wanted to make sure that all of the relationships had had uh, slightly different aspects to them. So Spencer and his father's relationship is different from Spencer and Aaron, who, you know, Aaron is essentially kind of like, you know, his play brother or like, you know, you always have, well, I always had like cousins who were kind of brothers. So, you know, it's kind of like that relationship where, that's what it should have been and that's what it could have been but they had this thing that was kind of in their way like you know uh, spencer's father kind of either intentionally or unintentionally set them in opposition to each other and and i'll and i'll be very specific to me that's also a very personal story because i used to play i played um baseball like until i was like in the clear in the high school and my father was my coach for a lot of years that I was playing ball. And that's kind of how the dynamic was at times. The dynamic was that like, you know, maybe I was struggling with something or I wasn't good enough at something, but there was always someone else on the team who might've been better at that. And and to me, that's how it felt. Like it felt like, you know, it felt like my father was favoring, you know, like other, you know, young men over me. So like, that's kind of where that, that kind of conflict kind of came from. And that's, you know, how it ended up in the book, but we really want, and and you can already see without getting too far into it, Spencer and Aaron's relationship is, is starting to change. It's transforming into something else where I don't, you know, I don't want to say what they are, but they're no longer kind of like adversaries and rivals, which is kind of how they were set up in, in the first uh, volume. So, you know, keep your eye on that too. So, okay. So we have to get to one of the um, coolest and like 
and it's kind of in a way it's like slipped under the radar so in Uh issue eight there's a there's a like a a sequence that takes place like years and years and years in the future yes and Uh it's like shows us this like older spencer and and then like but it's just like you know some things it would be like this it would make a point to be like, oh, like this is like where our story is going. And that's just like one aspect of that whole issue. Like it's, uh-huh. it's just one part, but it's like a huge part. And so yes. um, are we going to be it? Because you played around with time a lot yeah. in this series, showing Spencer uh-huh. different ages. Is that going to continue to be a thing in the series? Is there going to be at one part where we're kind of like all on the present? Or is that something that's always going to be a part of the series? Um, Well, I'll say that it's important. And first of all, those are my favorite pages from that entire issue. Like when I put, when those pages went into the script, I was like, oh, my car is going to kill this. Like, I know, like, I know he's going to do it. So there was a definite note that was like, this entire thing has been leading up to this page. Make sure it's dope. <laughs> I'm notorious for doing that. I'll, I'll, no pressure. I'll talk to that. I'll no always try to put like a little extra, like this is the page we really need, Kari. Like this is the one. <laughs> this is this is the one I needed. But um, let's let, let's just say it's very important that that is what Spencer saw. So we're kind of seeing his vision of the future. Now, how that differs from other characters' visions of the future will be uh, further explored. And one one thing I, I, you know, I almost almost put this in, and we were answering letters one issue, I almost put this in there. And I know that, I know that it feels like this uh, this series is starting to comment on like what's happening now. But the funny thing is, I have, I'm pretty much finished writing Excellence. I have one more script to write. I'm not going to tell anyone the number because I'm just not. The, the number of issues that there will be. But I have one more script to do. And so it just so happened that, you know, we had COVID, you know, we had George Floyd, we had all of these things that happened. And then we're, we're putting together these issues and they just feel like, like it feels like we wrote it yesterday. Like it felt like, you know, because without spoilers, you know, there is a, <laughs> the ancestry. There's a scene in issue eight that is basically all of these kind of uh, representatives of white supremacy throughout yeah. the history of America. And uh, uh, four, 45 is, is present there. Who? Oh. And, uh, oh, I didn't. I didn't catch that. Who's yeah, that? yeah, you, you know who. <laughs> oh, oh okay. I don't know that guy. I don't know. <laughs> Never heard of him. But uh, what's you know, a forty-five? <laughs> right. I mean, he was like, like that script was written maybe like a year or so ago. Oh, so wow. okay. it, it wow. feels like we're commenting. You know, like we're kind of like, oh, okay, this is everything's like ripped from the headlines now. But this stuff is has been written. You know, for at least a year, maybe a year and a half. But it, it just shows, it goes to show you that all of this stuff just repeats. That's so depressing and in a way. Yeah, I was about to say, I don't know if I'm more impressed or sad right now. Like, well, I mean, it is. It's like depressing. It's like, how could you have written something like over a year ago and then it comes out and it's like, oh man, I bet they're trying to respond to what just, no, no. Jeez. I wrote this a year and a half ago. And- I mean, that, that same exact thing, not to deflect from excellence, but 
Uh-huh. The book, uh, Black, that I was doing with Kwanzaa Osiefo a couple years ago, Kwanzaa, that, that whole book starts with, like, priest police brutality. And it came out mm-hmm. in 2016. He had mm-hmm. written that script, like, a decade earlier. <laughs> and wow. and people were like, oh, you guys are so on top of blah, blah, blah. And it's like, nah, nah, actually, we've been talking about this for a long time. It's just, right. this is what it is. You know what right. I'm saying? Like these things don't go away unfortunately uh, no. now kind of building because it's interesting to watch how because knowing that knowing that all of that was was in the pipeline because like yeah eight doesn't make any like the subtlety is like gone <laughs> like here is who this yes. is but like early on we see uh you know the that figure hinted at we see like the the ages kind of hinted at as this like white kind of yes featureless figure but like at the very first time they show up it it doesn't look like you know a full-on hood like the it's a little bit tamed down and then like a couple issues later it it is that 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 picture but we still don't Uh see any features and then like slowly but surely like we see and i'm blanking on the name of the character but uh when they like there's a spell that essentially it shows what your past looked like and it's he's like this his place is stuck in a loop um and it's like showing him what his old life was before all this and it's like that constant reminder like all those little things mm-hmm. so yeah, yeah. that was yeah, the, the, that's the uh, the the spell that darion has on his apartment thank you yes yeah. so seeing all that kind of so that was all that was even all beginning that was written it was always over a year ago okay it was written uh, over a year ago the idea that um you know kind of Darian has been he's kind of ascended in a way because when we see him in the first issue he's like the guy like at the <laughs> he's like the TSI the TSA guy who's yeah. like checking the wand and scanning Spencer before he goes and you know goes and, and does his big ma- magical trial and now he's working you know at the at the prison which is is like a it's a promotion but we wanted to we we really want to dig down um, we want to dig into Spencer's privilege because something that we've I've been we've been trying to kind of hammer in is that Spencer is allowed to get away with it that other people are not because of his father for all of his kind of complaining and his you know basically all of his problems with his father his father has given him like a level of protection that other young magicians simply do not have. And we will see kind of how that came to be, you know, as the story evolves, but we wanted to show a character like Darian, who's basically like a, like a working class. He's like a, you know, like a working class, you know, magician. Like he's not from some famous story, magical dynasty like Spencer is. So this guy you know, has like a promotion, he's ascending, but there are certain things that the system does to remind him of like where he came from and where he can be jettisoned back to if he does the things that they don't want him doing. So that was really something that we were trying to drill down and and kind of say that Spencer is having problems recruiting allies to his cause because people are just like well you know 
if Spencer gets in trouble, you know, he'll just get a slap on the hand and a demotion or whatever, but they're going to, you know, kick my black ass out in the street. So that is something that makes it, and, you know, and that's intentional. That's a way that they have, that's kind of like a, a, a prison that they've put in place around these kind of privileged magicians that come from the 10 families to prevent them from kind of sparking rebellions and uprisings. Because if they can't get other people to buy in for fear of what will happen to them, then, you know, nothing is nothing is going to happen. So, you know, it's kind of those, those little kind of con contextual details that we're trying to, you know, sometimes I think I do better at it than I do at other times. But that, that's kind of one of the things that we're, we're driving that everyone is not treated the same, even within this kind of frame. I understand. Uh, Kofi, do you have some else? I was going to say, um, yeah, yeah. I was just going to say that was, that's one of my favorite aspects of the story. Cause mm -hmm. you don't, we don't get to have stories like that very often that deal with what happens when, you know, black culture also collides with things like privilege and, mm -hmm. And for, I mean, not so much wealth, but in this kind of setting, like you said, status, status mm. you know, access mm. and, and what that can do. And some of my favorite scenes in here are when Spencer has to deal with other people who, <laughs> who exist outside of his status. And they're uh -huh. just talking to him like the drug dealer in the park is like one of my favorite <laughs> scenes, like that whole thing. And they're just, yeah, and like, yeah, um, just, yeah. And that's great because that's a lot of inside cultural baseball that we don't get to see very mm. often and um yeah it really spoke to me as somebody like my father's a you know really prominent professor and you know i had to grow up in academia and mm. you know i had to grow up against you know next to a neighborhood where the other black kids the only other black kids were you know working class and stuff and so i had to kind of have some of these same conversations and mm. just a level of how spot on they were and just how much insight it was just in that was great um the other thing Thank i just you. wanted to say i loved is how you guys set up a picture of a society that looks really cool at first, but then slowly but surely as you peel back the layers and kind of go back, it is this almost nice kind of mystery to the book that as you get deeper into the society and what's going on and the picture certainly becomes much kind of darker and more sinister, um, that, that pacing was just really, again, a lot of the spot on commentary that feels like you guys like literally just wrote it last night. So yeah. Um, I'm, it's I'm a good book, it. man. Yeah. <laughs> I recommend it. Go pick it up. Yeah, it's definitely uh, a great book. Yeah, Matt this yeah, you can close it out, Matt. Uh, so, okay. So it is a great series and uh, you know, especially like right now and it's probably not going to change for a while. Like people are always mm -hmm. looking for stuff to watch. Right. And like this, when you're reading it it's i mean it's it's just a visual it, it's just like magic and everything like that that like you mentioned before like catches your eye there's such a a cool thing and then there's all this depth underneath it which means it's perfect for a movie or a television series so if one if you had the choice would you turn excellence into a movie or would you turn it into a television series which do you think suits it better <laughs> <laughs> We be careful, Kari. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, man, I would be happy with anything, you know, any format. I, here's the thing when I think about this property, I think it is suited for a number of different formats in general. So whether it was a cartoon, you know, animated property, 
whether it was a movie, whether it was series, you know, uh, there's a lot of things we could do with it. Video games, we're down for it all. Uh, that is my most diplomatic answer. <laughs> Well done. I can say right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a good answer. We'll just, we'll just let that stand because I'll be talking too much and saying stuff I'm not supposed to say. So, it's a great answer, Kari. I agree. Oh okay, I'm sorry. I'll say one thing. This is just a, a, a tiny little slice of the world. This is the story of Spencer Dales, but the world has intentionally been left in a way that is open to more kind of exploration from different angles, different characters, and different themes. So I would say this, uh, this is, it is, it is my uh, tea right now and letting Brandon talk. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. That, that's all I'll say. We are, we are open. Well we are done. Open to new possibilities. We are open. Yes. Awesome. Well, I, I can't wait to see what happens. And uh, okay. thank you so much. I mean, one, just the, the comic series is, is awesome. So I can't wait to see what happens next. And uh, thank you guys for joining us and for taking the time to chat. And uh, thank you. No, no problem thank at you. all. You guys can oh, always one find... last thing. Oh, sure. Issue nine is my favorite script. One of one of I think one of the best scripts I've ever written. And I was so excited to get it to Kari. And Kari, I mean, I know how the book, I know, you know, everyone has seen what has, has already come, but issue nine, every single page of this particular issue is just gorgeous. It is just, I, I refer to it as basically, I say it's like, it's our masterpiece on a lot of different levels. So this next issue, I want people to really, uh, really pay some extra attention to the amazing, amazing stuff that Kari and Emilio did. They're, I mean, they're just, it's, it's just so great. I just, I get happy just thinking about it. Like I'm just, you know, smile, smile like the, like the Kool-Aid man, but it's, it's really, it's, re it's really something. It's a, it's a book that I'm really, really proud of and really, really excited to get out to everyone and, it also changes everything. So that's fun too. Oh, I've man. already forgotten what I drew in that book. So I'm <laughs> I have not. I have not forgotten. I will never forget. It is glorious. That is a that is a tease. That is a perfect way to send this out. So uh, thank you guys. Thanks everyone for joining us. And uh, make sure to stick around and find out what happens in Excellence Number Nine on comicbook.com. Peace. Yeah. All right, we want to thank Excellence Creators, Brandon Thomas and Kari Randolph for sitting down to talk with us. If you guys have not checked that out, I think you can find uh, the first batch or first volume of issues on Comixology or check your local comic shops if they are in operation. To make sure you check that out, it's from Skybound. You can go on Skybound's website and also check it out there and I'm sure Amazon and all those other great places where comics are sold. Be sure, because if you want something new to read and you know we're always talking about diversity and creating new series, well, this is a chance to check one out that is, is really deserving of, of your attention. And I think Matt would agree on that. Absolutely. So go check out Excellence. Thank you again to the creators for sitting down with us. That'll do it for this episode of Comic Book Nation. We want to thank you guys for tuning in. If you're just now getting in the show, we put up new episodes every Wednesday and every Friday on comicbook.com where you can kind of uh, get updates on latest episodes and everything else comic book related and geek culture related. If 
you want to subscribe, we are on your favorite podcast platforms. We are on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio Podcast, uh, Google Podcasts, Google Playlists, Spotify, Stitcher. You can tell your Amazon Alexa devices to fire up Comic Book Nation Podcast and it'll get going for you. Or you can look for our faces on comicbook.com, comicbook.com's YouTube page or watch episodes live every Wednesday and Friday when we post them on Facebook and get alerts there so you can see our smiling faces when we pop up. And we love to have you because uh, that's fun. We always kind of hang around and interact with you guys while you're watching. So if you want to talk to us about anything, go to the hashtag Comic Book Nation. If you want to talk to us personally, you can find me at Kofi Outlaw. You can find me at Matt Aguilar CB. You can find me at Janelle Wheeler. And I'm the Spencer Perry. The Spencer Perry. There you go. If you are liking the show and you're just getting into it during our quarantine arc, uh, we have a whole room full of Comic Book Nation t-shirts back at the studio. Uh, Janelle was the first, one of the first to venture to make the brave venture That's back right. in the studio. We're inching back into this place. <laughs> so inch by inch. We had to social once- distance. We were social distance. There was only three of us total, and we all were very social distance. No, that's good. That's good and responsible, but it's progress. We are getting closer. You could see the closet with oh, all the I t-shirts. Could, I did. I was staring at it. Like, is there, yeah, do I, I know the code? Is March. there a key? It, maybe it's hidden like under a map or something. I don't think anyone knows the code anymore. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It was abandoned in the old It's been lost to time. Yeah. <laughs> no, but that closet is still there. It's a valuable resource because when we get back and we get into that closet, we are going to send out t-shirts to everybody who helped make it through this quarantine <laughs> arc by uh, riding with us so go on apple podcast leave a five-star review of the show because when we get back in we were going to do a mega read of everybody's five-star reviews and we're going to be just tossing out t-shirts like we need a t-shirt gun so <laughs> get on apple podcast and leave your five-star review otherwise we want to thank you guys for tuning in to comic book nation stay plugged in with us stay tuned in i hope you guys are staying healthy uh staying sane and uh yeah just getting through this crazy year that is 2020 and uh we'll see you next time deuces Deuces. I didn't mean to say that.